I invite you to, uh, well, actually, I should mention, too, um, after the service, please uh, grab your items and uh, feel free to take them back home with you again. And um, if you forget, we'll have a safe place uh, for them um, somewhere. If you turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 17, we're going to look at God's Word this morning. Luke chapter 17, probably one of the uh, best-known passages when we begin to think of giving thanks. Luke 17, the healing of the, uh, the ten lepers, and we'll read <clears throat> that account at this time. Luke 17, beginning with verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends in Jesus Christ, it's, uh, it's no great secret that the Thanksgiving holiday is the busiest uh, travel period also of the year. The Washington Post uh, this year forecasts that this would be the third busiest travel season uh, since the year 2000. AAA projected, in fact, that over 55 million travelers will... will um, um, head at least 50 miles from home uh, this year to celebrate Thanksgiving. That's a lot of people traveling a long way just to watch football together. So why do we do it? Well, I guess we are, we are people who just love to be together. Remember the film Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Steve Martin and John Candy swimming upstream, doing their darndest to get home for Thanksgiving. And apparently that's, that's us, that's all of us. There's a mysterious attraction to that dinner table, to being together on Thanksgiving. As well there should be. I mean, being together is a good thing. Again, the Washington Post reported that good things happen when we gather together for meals. For instance, research shows that when children eat with their parents, they consume more vegetables, they have higher self-esteem, lower risk of substance use, and better reading scores, vocabulary, and grades, which kind of makes you think we should celebrate Thanksgiving Day every day. I mean, all we have to do together is, or all we have to do is eat together and pretty much all of our problems in the world are solved. 
I think that we're aware when we read this text, when we read this account of the healing of the ten lepers, <clears throat> that these, these ten have been missing out on all of these types of family meals for who knows how long. But more than just family meals, they have been missing out on really any kind of human contact. In Jesus' day, you know that lepers were forced to live apart from their communities, isolated from their families and really from, from everyone else. They also had to announce their presence when anyone began to perhaps wander too close into their vicinity. Unclean, unclean, they would have to shout. So the thought of intimate table fellowship was like a pipe dream for these ten Something they could only imagine would ever happen again. So with all of that in mind, I think it would be easy to assume that, that this is ultimately a text about being together. It's ultimately a text about community, about restoring people to fellowship with one another. But it's not. I mean, community is a good thing. In fact, community and fellowship are, are one of God's greatest gifts to his people. But community is not an ultimate thing. And therefore, this text is not ultimately about community. It's about, it's about gratitude to God. It's about gratitude to the giver of good gifts like community. And in order to recognize that, I want to spend just a few minutes this morning with you comparing the gratitude of the one leper to that of the other nine. And where I want to start is to help us to see that the gratitude of the nine, or, or rather the ingratitude of the nine, the ingratitude of the nine actually makes God disappear. Jesus, the lepers shout, Master, have pity on us. That's what we hear at the beginning of this text. Jesus, we hear his name. But that's the last Jesus hears from these nine lepers. And I have a feeling that God, God gets that a lot. That the only time we, we think of him, the only time we call out to him is, is when we want something. And he's just a means to an end. And whether that, that end is, is something good or totally unnecessary, it really doesn't matter. Because as soon as we get what we want, God gets forgotten. Ingratitude, friends. Ingratitude doesn't just forget people, but it actually makes them disappear. In the film, uh, The Remains of the Day, and I want to credit Scott Jose here for pointing this out, but in that film, Anthony Hopkins plays a butler to a super-rich family. And while researching how to play this role, Hopkins interviewed a real-life butler. And the butler told him that, <clears throat> that his goal in life is to blend in, blend into the woodwork in any room like a mere fixture, so that you become a mere fixture, like a, a table lamp or a linen doily. In fact, Hopkins said the man shared one sentence that he will never forget. He said, you can sum up an excellent butler this way. The room seems emptier when he's in it. 
The room seems emptier when you're in it. That's the goal. That's the goal of a butler. To do your work, to fill your wine glasses, to clear the plates without being noticed and without being thanked. Because to be thanked means to be acknowledged. To be thanked means that you exist, that you are present. Now think about that from the other side. When we fail to acknowledge those who do us good, when we fail to say thank you, to express our gratitude, when we begin to feel so entitled to the goodness of others, it's like we make them disappear. And that's exactly what happens here in Luke 17. To nine of the lepers, Jesus simply disappears. Or maybe he was never there in the first place. He was just a means to, to an end. A means to get them back to that Thanksgiving table. One leper, though, says thank you. One leper acknowledges Jesus. He says thanks to Jesus for his gift. In fact, he praises God. And when he does, Jesus reappears in the story. And that's what gratitude does. Just as ingratitude makes people disappear, gratitude makes them reappear. Saying thank you makes God visible again. It confesses his existence. It confesses our dependence. Thanksgiving makes God larger, and it makes us smaller. It right-sizes all of us. It right-sizes God, and it right-sizes us. Friends, as you give thanks today for your daily bread for your daily forgiveness, for the people around your table, as you give thanks, just take note of how much more prominent God becomes in the room and in your life. And if you want him to always be that large, that significant, that godlike, then make thanksgiving a habit. Thanksgiving for things large, things small. Thanksgiving for everything. Saying thanks makes God reappear. The second thing I want you to notice about gratitude or the gratitude of the nine lepers in this text is the priests. The priests. Jesus tells the lepers to, to show themselves to the priests, and, and off they scurry. The Samaritan never makes it there. As soon as he's healed, he pivots. He turns on his heels, and he comes back to Jesus. Why? Why does he forego that, that journey to the priests? What's the role of the priests anyway? Why would Jesus even say, go and see the priests? Well, the role of the priests was, was to certify that you truly had been healed. Maybe they gave you a little certificate of, of healing that, 
that could get you back into your house, back into your community. You know, that little piece of paper that read, on this day, you have been declared clean. Sort of like back in COVID, we all needed our little immunization cards if you wanted to get on an airplane or if you wanted to go and see a show at the rep. You had to prove that, that you were okay to do that. It's a similar kind of thing going on here with the priests. The trouble with the priests is there are too many of them to satisfy. I mean, which priest actually gives you the final okay? that, well, this person really is healed. Let me try and give you an example of that. Imagine Fred, for instance. You know, Fred gets his certificate that uh, his leprosy is healed, and so he's, he's eating Thanksgiving uh, dinner with his family, with the whole crew. Everything is great. And then someone at the table brings up the topic of employment. And it occurs to Fred that he's actually going to have to reapply for his old job. It's not like they're just going to hand it to him. He's got to reapply. I mean, technology has progressed since he last works. And Fred's going to have to prove, he's going to have to prove himself to the priests that he can still, he can still do his job. He can still do his work. And then Fred's brother-in-law mentions that Well, I don't know if I should say it or not, Fred, but, you know, we gave your parking place away down at the club. After all, we didn't think you were ever going to need it again. And uh, the brother-in-law also thought he heard, well, Fred might have to pay the membership fee all over again. Something about a clause in the small print that read, you know, in the event of leprosy, so on and so forth. In other words, Fred was going to have to satisfy the priests again. And how many more times is that issue going to come up? How many more priests will there be to satisfy? You see what I mean? There's, there's, really, there's really never an end to all the priests that we have to satisfy in life. You can satisfy one, but there's always another waiting in line right behind him. Who are your priests? Do you have any? Who are your priests? You know, the the people in life who who when they tell you you're okay, well, then, then you really believe it. Then you really believe that you are okay. And then, then you finally have something to be thankful for. Who are your priests? Parents can be priests, can't they? Even as adults, we're still, some of us, looking for their approval. We never quite feel good enough unless, unless we have the approval of mom or the approval of dad. The Joneses can be priests, right? And unless we're keeping up with them, well, it's awfully hard to be grateful. Maybe your girlfriends are your priests. And unless you look like them, or dress like them, or have all the stuff that they have, well then, you're lacking in some way. I think our jobs can even be our priests. And, you know, we need that continual affirmation that you are worthy. 
that you are respected, that you are still productive, that, that you're, you're okay. Who are your priests? And are you still running off to satisfy them? Oh yeah, you've been to see Jesus, but now you've got to go see your priests. Who are the ones you have to satisfy before you can really be grateful? The Samaritan leper only has one priest to satisfy, and that's Jesus. We sometimes miss this, but the Samaritan couldn't have gone with the other nine to the priests anyway. I mean, sure, he was healed of his leprosy, but he was still a Samaritan. (laughs) He wasn't healed of that. He was a foreigner, as Jesus called him. And the word that Jesus uses here when he calls him a foreigner, it's the very same word that was actually inscribed in the Jerusalem temple stating that foreigners were not allowed access to the temple past this point. He was not allowed to go any further. He wasn't allowed to see the priests. And he seems to be aware of that. The Samaritan was aware that that he needed a deeper sort of healing, and that's what Jesus was providing. Your faith has saved you, says Jesus. That's what he says there at the end. It's not what our, our translation likes to say. That's not what the Greek says. Your faith has made you well, just sort of a lame translation. But your faith has saved you. This man's healing was somehow different than all of the other nine. It was different than the rest. And there was only one priest who could confirm that, who could validate that, who could authenticate that. And that was Jesus himself. Notice that at the beginning of this account, the lepers, they all stood at a distance from Jesus. And they shouted to him. In other words, these men just... They didn't know just separation from other human beings. They knew separation from God. They were forced to stand at a distance from Jesus himself. But as soon as the Samaritan is healed, what does he do? He throws himself at Jesus' feet. He steps into the presence of God, and he does so with confidence And notice what the priest does. The priest doesn't send him away. Rather, he affirms this man's healing. He affirms this man's wholeness. He is reconciled to God. He is saved. When he presents himself to Jesus, he is accepted. And the same is true for us, friends. When you are saved... There are no more priests that you have to go and satisfy. None. None ever. You are whole. And you are wholly accepted. And now, your entire life can be offered as a thank offering to Jesus Christ. Friends, in Jesus Christ, if Jesus is your priest, and if you have accepted his sacrifice on your behalf, if he has 
made you well, if he has healed you, if he has saved you, then he is the only priest you have or will ever need. You have been freed from the need to satisfy any and every other priest time and time again, not with your money, not with your actions, not with your words. You don't have to satisfy any other priest ever again. And so start this day and start every day just freely praising God and giving thanks to Jesus for all he has done. That's all we're called to do, to acknowledge our salvation and to give God thanks and praise. Let's do that today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being our priest. Thank you for making that one sacrifice that only you could make. Thank you for presenting it to the Father on our behalf and reconciling us to God. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, help us, move us to accept that gift. And help us to see that when we are accepted by you, there are no other priests that we have to please. Lord God, right-size yourself in our lives. Right-size us. Help us remember that we are dependent on you and you have provided us everything that we need so that our lives may now be spent 24-7 giving thanks to you for all you have done. And it's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen.